everyone. Welcome to The Garden Angelist, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dee Nash in Oklahoma. And I'm Carol Michael in Indianapolis. Hey, Carol, how's it going today? How's the weather? The weather is marvelous, Dee. It's sunny and in the high 40s. It's a beautiful day. Well, I can't say it's as beautiful here because it's cloudy A little bit dreary, but, you know, we're in the 50s, so who's complaining? Nobody. And it's almost the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. And why do gardeners like the winter solstice? Well, I got a poem to explain that. You want me to say my little poem? I didn't know we were going to have a poem. How exciting. Go ahead. It's just a little thing. I heard a bird sing in the dark of December, a wondrous thing and sweet to remember. We are nearer to spring than we were in September. Oh, do we know who did that, or is that anonymous, the most famous poet of the world? It's I Heard a Bird Sing by Oliver Herford. Well, thank you, Oliver Herford. Like the cattle? Without the extra E. (laughs) Ah, got it. Okay, so we like the winter solstice because that means that all the days that come after it are longer, and before long we can get our hands out in that great garden dirt and plant those seeds and... Have a great time. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk about a couple more Christmas flowers today, right? Yay, I love me a Christmas flower. Well, I want to talk about the Christmas rose, Helleborus niger, which, believe it or not, can bloom outside in my garden in December in the Midwest, even if it snows. So do you pull back the snow to see the Helleborus niger? Yes. When it does snow? If, if it snows... Yes, I will pull back the snow to see, and a lot of times it'll just be the buds down there. But on a sunny day like today, I know I can walk out, and they're they're around my patio where I can see them without going too far into the garden in the wintertime. And I know they're blooming, because I went out the other day and they were blooming. That's exciting. I can't say, I mean, I have one plant of Helleborus niger. Um, I have ivory prints, and I'll have to go out and see if the prince is blooming. But... I don't find it here as much. I don't find the Christmas rose here as much as I do the Linton rose, which is Helleborus hybridus at all. Yes. And I have that one too. But the Christmas rose, I have several of them. I have one called uh, Potter's Wheel, which has a bigger flower than most of them. And I have one that um, is called Cinnamon Rose, which is a, has a pink cast to it. They're very easy to care for because um, they just don't like to be fussed with. If you put them in a location where they'll not get really wet and get partial sun, partial shade, they will do just fine. Exactly. They don't like, they're drought tolerant, so that means they don't like too much water or they'll rot. And I say Lenten roses are kind of the same. And also, I think my uh, Helleborus niger my ivory prince, he's a little bit pink too, like yes. yours, like your cultivar. I think they're all kind of in the white to pinkish range, and that's about it. You get more colors with the Linton rose. So I hear that you have a little legend to tell us about the Christmas I do. rose. The, um, you, when you have a flower that blooms in the winter, of course, there's going to be a legend about it that surrounds the birth of Christ. And it's about a little shepherd girl named Madeline who, when she sees the three kings give their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christ child, and even the shepherds had gifts, she cried because she had nothing to give. And an angel saw her tears and 
they melted the snow and then up from the snow came the Christmas rose blooming and she was able to give those to the Christ child. Oh, how sweet. It is sweet. And you know, today it's a sweet little you can sometimes find potted uh Christmas roses at the at some grocery stores or some florists carry them. And before your flower came along and really dominated the Christmas scene, I think the Helleborus niger was a very popular potted plant. I always look for them, and if I find them, I'll go ahead and buy them because in the spring, you can go ahead and plant that outside, and then you have it forever. Unlike your plant, the poinsettia. Tell us about it. The poinsettia, which is one of my very, very favorite Christmas plants. I know not everybody loves it, but I do. Um, The poinsettia, of course, comes from Mexico, and there it grows as a big, tall shrub, a big, tall tropical shrub, hence the word tropical is very important. In your house, it wants to be about 70 degrees. It doesn't like it any hotter. It doesn't like it any cooler. And when you buy a poinsettia and try to bring it home, they often wrap it in a plastic sleeve so that you don't burn it from the cold wind. Because anything under 70 degrees, really under 50, it gets kind of petulant. And sometimes they just don't come back from it. But I also have a legend. I guess I should first say that the reason it's called the poinsettia is because it's named after Mr. Poinsett, who quote-unquote found it in Mexico and introduced it to North America and it became very popular in California and then spread all over the United States in like the forties and fifties. So you want to hear my, I do. I'm kind of stuck on that. You called it a petulant plant. But go ahead with the legend. It's a little petulant. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. (laughs) It is petulant. It drops its leaves. You know, it turns yellow. It has issues, which we talked about a little bit last time. Okay, so the miracle of the poinsettia, um, you can actually find books about this. And because I had little kids and because we love a good Christmas flower story in my household, we have both of them. The one I like the best is called The Miracle of the First Poinsettia, A Mexican Christmas Story, and it was written by Joanne Oppenheim and illustrated by Fabian Negrin. I always like to give the illustrator and the photographer their due because they often don't get it, you know? So it's a beautifully illustrated book, beautifully written, and the other one is called The Legend of the Poinsettia, and it was written by a man named Tommy DePaula. And you can find both of these now on Amazon and other places, and we'll reference it in our notes on our page. But um, the the story goes like this. Depending upon which story you're using, um, I'm going to use the one from The Miracle of the First Poinsettia because the little girl in the story, the, the poor little girl, she is named Juanita. And Juanita is my grandmother's name, the one that taught me to garden. So, of course, I'm going to like that story. And shortened Nita was my little, was my little sister's name. So... beautiful little Juanita um, is she's got lots of things to do and she's very very poor and has no money and it's during the time of La Posadas which is the nine days before Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and they go around um, in Mexico and also in southern Oklahoma City for that matter um, people participate in the Las Posadas and it's a walk and it it mimics the travel to Bethlehem And people go along the route to different people's houses, and they ask for a room. So it's very much like the Christmas story where Mary and Joseph are trying to find a room at the inn, and they can't find one. So the last night of the Posadas, um, my understanding is that they ask someone, and eventually they get a room. 
And so they find someone who is nice, who will let them in. But that's the big culmination, because as you know, in the Catholic Church, we really celebrate Christmas big time on Christmas Eve. We also celebrate on Christmas Day, but Christmas Eve is really big. So in the story, sweet little Juanita is very, very sad because like your little girl, she does not have a present for the Christ child. And she feels like she can't go because everybody else has one. And she had to work all day, so she couldn't even make him anything. So she is standing outside the church, wanting to go in, feels like she can't. And uh, they, the, the angel, an angel appears to her too, and says, just take these plants. And they're green. They're not red. They're just, they're just bright green weeds by the side of the road. So she takes the plants, and when she walks inside and lays them at the feet of the baby in the nativity scene, they turn bright red which I think is a really cool story because, as we talked about last week, most of the year, poinsettias stay what color? Green. And at, you know, and during the Christmas season is when they turn red. They start turning red in the fall, and then they're bright red by Christmas time. So it's a great story. The other story, the little child is Lucia, and uh, Lucia is probably named after St. Lucy. But anyway, same idea. They don't even have a candle or anything, and so... They, the angel or the Christ child's love turns the poinsettia red. So isn't that a great story? That is a great story. I like all those stories. I do too. We have a lot of Christmas books, and a lot of them in my house center around plants, trees, stuff the like that. The Christmas books at my house also center around plants for the most part. Does that surprise you? Not really. Not so much. I was glad. It was funny. When I went to look for these, they were super easy to find because I've kept them all right together. And I don't get to read them much anymore. My kids are all grown. But they would make a great children's gift at Christmas time. I got a lot of my information from a book called The Christmas Rose. It was written in 1948 that I bought because I was really into Christmas roses. I still am. I have a porcelain china plate that is painted with Christmas roses. And um, I put it on my buffet at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. It was probably painted in the 40s, yeah. too, about the time that the poinsettia started taking over the Christmas Knocking market. off my Christmas rose, which is still my favorite Christmas flower, the Christmas rose. So you can have poinsettias, and I'll have the Christmas rose. Okay, or amaryllis. I like amaryllis, too. They're both they're beautiful also. But I don't know any legends associated with amaryllis. Shall we talk about veggies Yeah, now? because you said buffet, and that, made me, I was, that got me kind of hungry. Were you thinking about the big buffet at the... Uh, Pacers yeah, games maybe, that you go to? Maybe, the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> so the uh, I want to talk about a book that I just got, and I think it's publication day is actually today. I got this review copy. It's called No Waste Kitchen Gardening, Regrow Your Leftover Greens, Stalks, Seeds, and More by our friend Katie Elzer-Peters. I haven't gotten a review copy yet. What's up I don't with know. that? But I got it a couple of weeks ago, and it, is a, it looks like a really fun book. Especially if you have some kids, because premises, you can take leftovers like the tops of the carrots, the tops of beets, root part of the onion sets that you buy, and you can regrow these. And then uh, you can regrow them on your kitchen windowsill. So that's a great, great project to do with kids. It's a great way to show kids how, um, where things come from and not do it from a seed. You know, sometimes for kids, it takes too long. Seeds take too long. So... You might not actually eat or get a full carrot out of your little carrot project, but you would at least, you know, get kids involved in gardening gardening and get them to get their hands in the dirt. 
Which is what we're all trying to do. Pass it on pass to the it next on. generation. And I'm going to actually pass this on to my niece who has a four-year-old who loves to garden. And so I bet she and he could find a few projects in here. And she does have some stuff about growing things with seeds. So it's not all it's not all just, you know, kids' projects. You can actually grow some pretty decent food from your kitchen scraps. So we'll put the notes out there on this book on the notes as well. No Waste Kitchen Gardening by Katie Elzer Peters. Good job, Katie. You got a book for us. I do. I have a book for us too. And um, I love this book. I got a review copy a while back and I have talked about it and talked about it in various ways. It's Nikki Jabor's Veggie Garden Remix. And so... Uh, the spin on this one, because, you know, there's a lot of veggie books out there, is that it's 224 new plants to shake up your garden and add variety, flavor, and fun. And it really, really does. She is, it's, it's a great book because if you're an experienced gardener, um, it has a lot of new varieties that you might not think of. And she goes into all different kinds of vegetables, and we all know what a great gardener Nikki is. And so... Um, she also gives you sources for all the seeds and everything else. And I have grown a lot of these different varieties, but there were some in there that I had not even grown. So that's my, you know, I, th- we could call this the literary uh, section of the Garden Agilist podcast because it's all about books today. I guess. We're just talking all, oh, yeah. But, you know, we have a lot of books. <laughs> oh, we have a few. We have a few. But, you know, there's some books that you go to time and again. And I think this is one that I would go to many times to look up. Like when I decide to buy my seeds in January and February, I will probably look at Nikki's book to see if I can find something new to grow this year in my veggie right, garden. Right, because we, we could all use a little uh, motivation to grow something different than we grow the same things year after year after year. So, yeah, that's, that's what's great about her book. I love it, too. It's a good book. They're both good books. So, well, we're going to talk a little bit about gardener's gifts because these could all be gifts for people who love gardening, right? But we are going to talk about a gift that you were going to, you were going to bring up something unusual. I thought today it'd be fun to tell people the gift we do not want to get. I know you have something you do not want to get, <laughs> and I have something I don't want to get. So I'll go first. <laughs> D, I don't want little plastic garden fairies. You don't? No. You don't want any little plastic garden fairies? I don't need little plastic little garden, garden fairy fairies. Houses. No, no, no. They're they're awfully cute, but, you know, they're for little kids, I think, and they would enjoy them, but I, I don't need any plastic garden fairies. <laughs> Do you, well, I got to say, I'm not too excited about having any little plastic garden fairies either. I like garden fairy drawings. I love the drawings, Yes. I'm not really much of a fairy gardener, period. I don't like little miniature plants, little miniature wheelbarrows, but I don't really like um, the houses either. You know, the inside houses that you make, the doll houses. I'm not really a dollhouse person either, so I don't want all those little eyes staring back don't at me. Don't get me wrong. I, I believe in garden fairies as much as the next person. I think they're probably insulted by those little plastic figurines themselves. <laughs> Probably. (laughs) So you want to hear what I really don't want to get? I do want to hear. (laughs) I hate garden gnomes. I really, I hate them. I hate them badly. (laughs) 
They scare me to death. I think garden gnomes would like stab you with little knives when you're out in the garden. So I don't want any garden gnomes in my garden. Or they might hit me with a shovel or something. They creep me really? out. Really, I got one. Isn't well. I'm glad. Are you are you not afraid of him hurting you? Well, no. I've got the guards <laughs> to protect me. <laughs> There you go. I don't know. Maybe I don't have enough garden fairies to protect me from the gnomes, but they just creep I me out. I understand that. I understand that. But I do have one, and it just, um, it's just, it's kind of face is almost washed off from being outside because I never let it go come inside, maybe because I really don't want it inside the house where it could do something. So... We'll see. I mean, and, and this way, it, the bad thing, well, I don't know if it's bad or good, but since its face is kind of washed off, you can't see its eyes looking at you. And they always have this whimsical smile, like like they're thinking about things they shouldn't be thinking True. about involving hurting me. So I did not go see Nomeo and Juliet or the other gnome uh, movie either. They just, they give me the willies. So please, no one, send me a garden gnome. Please, I didn't no. know there were garden gnome movies. There are. I think they were made with claymation or something. That's because you didn't have little kids. If you'd had little kids, then you'd know. Okay. Believe me. But we did not go to those. Very good. Well, that was that was about, <laughs> those were not helpful gift suggestions, but we did tell people about two great books that they could get for gifts, and they probably have just enough time to order them before Christmas. If they listen to the podcast right away. Yes, if they listen today, they can run hurry to Amazon and order. Actually, we we offered them four books because, well, I offered them three and you offered them one. I guess yeah. four books. So, see, I can add when it's small numbers. So, anyway, um, if people love this podcast, I would hope that they would go over to iTunes and give us a favorable rating. We would really appreciate that. That gets us seen on iTunes so we can get more people to listen. And also we have, we will interact with you and answer your questions on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and also at thegardenangelus at gmail.com. That about covers it, D. It does. You got anything <laughs> else today? So, no, I have nothing else today, but have a great week, Carol. I'll see you All on right. Christmas. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.